This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stick Blade Podcast. Everyone who's watching our live stream, welcome to the first ever live edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. Um, this is something new we're kind of trying out. Um, it's sometimes easy to miss, you know, a post that we put up, whether it be, you know, a podcast post, um, a game update, something like that. So we just we sort of thought, you know, maybe this would be a better way to get people to watch the show. Um, if you're new to the show, we are the Stick Blade Podcast. It is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks, and then just general news around the NHL. Uh, on your show for tonight, I'm going to be your host, Jordan Linscott, and we're going to be joined by my co-host, uh, Tim Stampanato, David Barnhouse, and Nick LePage. Um, everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome to this first ever live stream that we're doing. Um, how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, not great. Florida just tied it up. So uh, Hawks are 1-1 in Florida. Huh. Pain? Hawks pain? Or Hawks pain? Hawks pain? But, I'll like, do my check-in later. Coming, Don't worry. Though, right? Like, that's the thing. I mean, it's we, Florida. It's which is weird to say Florida. It's the humbling week. It is. There's a lot of humbling this week. Uh, I was pretty bullish last week and I'm, I'm a little back more down to earth today. I'm not gonna lie, boys. I'm kind of stage fright. We, uh, you know, I don't know who's watching out there right now, man, Nick, just imagine you're Russell Wilson giving his first, you know, presser in Chicago well, when he yeah, comes over that's when he's true. holding a Chicago dog and he's like, you know, I've always wanted <laughs> he, to play. He's holding here. a slice of Lou Malnati's in one hand, uh, juggling a deep, you know, uh, beef sandwich. <laughs> yeah. By the time you're if you're not watching this live, by the time you're listening to this, uh, Russell Wilson is a bear. I don't jinx anything I've ever said in my life. So uh, congratulations, Russell. Welcome to Chicago. And yeah, let's go. <laughs> Tell me how that, uh, Toronto bet went for you. <laughs> I don't Ooh. know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh man. Well, we'll go ahead and just get started into tonight's show. Um, like I said, this is a podcast that is for the Detroit Red Wings and the Chicago Blackhawks. We cover both clubs on this uh, podcast in particular. Um, we usually do a couple pieces of news regarding both clubs if the clubs have news. We do what's called the flashback and flash forward, where we talk about the week that was and the week that's coming up, just sort of predicting, you know, what do we expect from these clubs? What do we expect, you know, on the score sheet? What do we expect play-wise? Just what do we expect to see overall as, you know, a process or as a team? And then... We also do a little bit of league news. Um, so on tonight's show, we have a couple pieces of news. Nothing big because, again, this was kind of a slow week for the Wings and the Hawks. Not going to lie. There was not a ton of news. Um, just a couple things to note for the Wings. The fact that Evgeny Svechnikov, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. He's getting basically screwed by this whole management group in terms of, like, playtime, reps. Just it, his situation is not making sense. And I kind of want to just talk about, you know, what is going on with him just because – you know, he's a young player who Detroit might realistically have stake in in the future. Mm-hmm. And it just seems weird that Detroit is doing all this stuff with him with like the taxi squad, pulling him back, reassigning him to Grand Rapids, but then not letting him play in Grand Rapids. It just, it's really weird for him. It's- then also we're just talking about Anthony Mantha a little bit. We were pretty harsh on him a couple of weeks ago, and I think we were all pretty fair in doing that, but he has picked up play and I do want to talk about him a little more. Yeah. 
Um, on the Hawks side of the podcast, we're going to be talking about Jeremy Carlton being, I believe, third right now in voting for the Jack Adams, which is the trophy that they give to the coach who's basically voted the best coach around the league. And then during the flashback and the flash forward segments, we're going to be talking about the fact that, you know, this month is really it's coming down to earth for the Chicago Blackhawks because they've been on, you know, the rise the past couple months, but this is the, this is the true challenge that the team is facing at this point. They're facing true playoff contender caliber clubs and just sort of, you know, what does this team look like against those clubs? Because these are the premier clubs in the NHL that when you look at, you say contender, 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 and just sort of how Chicago's looked overall against those clubs. Because at the start of the season, we all basically wrote this club off as a throw it away year for all intents and purposes. It was a development year. Mm -hmm. And this seems to not be one. So, (laughs) well, it's, it's a development year. And it's also a successful year. I didn't realize that those two things it's can a go together. Development. Yeah, I, these are wins. Uh, and you're right. This has been a humbling week, but it's also sort of making me take a step back and remember, hey, all this winning is fun, and we've been on a real good tear. But it's not. It wasn't necessarily the plan. Mm-hmm. It, it sort of reminds me of like the 2015 Cubs when it was like, hey this isn't our year yet. All of the winning is just a bonus. Give us a little more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Compare this to the 2013 Cubs is still a little, it's a, it's, it's a good a comparison. Year but, yeah, a year later. Yeah, who, yeah. Knows? who knows what happens next? Hey, wait till next year. We know that phrase. All Doc, too well, you know, Doc will be back. Maybe Taze is back. Maybe we, you know, we get Reichel over and he's ready to jump. Who knows what a year brings? Yeah, that's fact. <laughs> yep. Um, we'll go ahead and just jump into the news um, because the Red Wings have a lot. Or I don't want to say a lot because they don't have a lot, but they have, they have more, more to talk about this week than the Black Blackhawks have. I want to just start on them. Um, I mentioned it at the start of the episode. Evgeny Svechnikov is such a unique player for the Red Wings. The kid gets drafted in the first round, comes over to the AHL, puts up pretty significant numbers. I can't lie. Like he actually looked really good playing for the Grand Rapids Griffins. Mm -hmm. He goes to the NHL and he gets a freak injury that puts him out for basically an entire year. He comes back, gets another injury that puts him out for the rest of the season. And during that entire time that he's out, the wings pick up Philip Zadina. They pick up Lucas Raymond. They pick up Robbie Fabry. Fabry was a surprise pickup who Detroit realistically did not expect to turn out as good as he has been. Philip Zadina was a player who nobody saw sliding to Detroit and was potentially going to go second or third overall the year in his draft. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Lucas Raymond at fourth, that's a winger who you just, you can't take up a guy who has that much off or has that much offensive potential and that good of a two way game. You can't pass on that player in the draft. And so Evgeny Svechnikov, through no fault of his own, has really been jumped on the depth chart. And he got recalled, I don't want to say recalled, but he got a chance to play at the NHL level these past couple of games. And he put up two goals and an assist, and I believe it was four games. So a touch under a point per game. He goes to the taxi squad, and then they supposedly reassign him to Grand Rapids. But then he doesn't play in Grand Rapids. He doesn't play with the Griffins. He's a UFA this upcoming season. Detroit has to figure out what they're doing with him because they have no leverage in contract negotiations next season if they want to resign him. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, 
if you're looking to trade him, even Detroit's not doing themselves any favors in this situation because you're not letting him get NHL reps and show the rest of the league, hey, this is what I am as a player. Or Detroit is not going to say, hey, we have him right here. You've seen the sample size. This is what you're going to get. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm frustrated with this move. It's not fair to him, and I don't think it's fair to his development. It is frustrating. Like, um, we've talked immense amount of times about how we're always pulling for him. Like, it's not his fault that this has happened to him. The injuries have hampered and limited him, but we still want him to succeed. Like, he's a person that, you know, really wants to do well and wants to play. Um, and seeing like everything we've made since this rebuild has been going, like I've agreed with most of the decisions, especially, especially when Iserman took over, I was like, yep, I can see that. I understand this. I get this. This is the one where I'm just like, I don't understand what we're doing and why we're doing this. I can understand putting him on the taxi squad for a little bit, having him play to send him to the defense and, and not play him there. It doesn't make sense. Like there's guys on our team that he should definitely be playing ahead of with Helm, with Nielsen, guys like that, where he's young, he needs to have a chance to show what he has, whether it be we re-sign him at the end of the season or we try to deal him. But we're not doing ourselves favors if we just want to deal him because we're not showing off his potential to get ourselves, you know, draft capital or other prospects. The other problem with that is that if we just let him walk, like what's the point in all that he's a young, possibly high potential talent who we drafted at the first round, who, if we just let him walk, another team could sign him and he could boom, become a star for them. Like, and we get nothing out of it. So it's really confusing. And like, I always say, like, we trust the eyes are planned, but right now I'm questioning what the heck's going on with this plan. Well, just, it feels like it's an antithesis of the rebuild mindset that you guys have been operating with last year and this year, you know, you tore things down. You got rid of some of those older contracts. You didn't resign players. You've got a bunch of young players moving in and out this year. You've got the taxi squad that you're able to utilize and you even waved, you waved Nielsen, right? Yeah. Nielsen got waved. Yeah. Why not have Svechnikov up? He's, it's not like he, you know, just can't put it together Injury, like you said, injuries derailed him for a bit, but when he came up, he hit the ground running. Uh, he didn't really struggle to get back in. He looked good when he was out there. Even when he didn't score, he was making good plays and good moves. If you're going for the rebuild, especially with where Detroit is at, it's not even like the Hawks rebuild where it's like, oh God, suddenly we're in a playoff spot. Maybe we reevaluate how much rebuild development we do this year. Detroit is in an a, a legitimate spot where they don't have to make that decision because it's been made for them. They're, they're mm-hmm. at the bottom. Let's embrace it. This, this move, you have to trade him, right? At this point, if he's not part of the plan, get what you can for him because you're right. Letting him walk is a waste. But we, we haven't showcased him enough to even get a good deal on him. Yeah, That's but... A- it- it all goes back to that first round caliber, you know, that having that on your resume is a first round draft pick. Yeah. People will take a chance. People will throw a third, third rounder for a former first rounder. They'll Look take a Nylander. They'll take a flyer on it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of mind, mind boggling though with him because he looked good against the Blackhawks that series. He, he had two goals in as many games against the Blackhawks. He had assist also added onto that. And then 
kind of just got sent to the taxi squad and then sent down. It just really makes no sense. It's not like uh, what the Blackhawks do. Even they reward people, even or not reward people. They scratch people, even if they do good, just kind of like they build off that, you know, watch the boys play tonight. Like that Colleton preached that, but you know, this is the exact opposite. Usually it'd be one night off and then you're back on, but this is uh yeah, really confusing for Evgeny Svechnikov. And he's not the first person to get like the pole after playing well. Like Giovanni Smith, we were singing his praises weeks and weeks ago when he was playing, and then he just vanished and he got sent back to the Griffins. Like if you wanna if you want to to play these guys and develop and see what they can do, whether it's to be they could be a mainstay on the roster or trade them, give them a chance. Stop we're rebuilding. We're second second to last right now. Stop playing guys like Helm and Nielsen and play the youth. Like give the kids a chance. Well, that's it. You could have Giovanni Smith and Svechnikov in that lineup if you sit Helm and Nielsen. There there's no there's no upside at this point unless you want to argue the the veteran presence and the leadership and those intangibles that I know you know, it's a bit of a joke now, but there's legitimate, you know, intangibles there. Unless you have that, I, I don't, I don't understand the mindset of letting those two sit and simmer. Like that's the thing that really puzzles me about this decision for, for Detroit, they use Grand Rapids realistically as a development team. Like, yes, they will send players there for refresh stints, but the majority of players who go to Grand Rapids, they're there because it's development. Svechnikov doesn't have to develop anymore. He literally has shown offensive potential. He's shown that he can skate at an NHL speed. He can make decisions at the NHL's pace. And he's UFA at the end of the season. Like, it's not like they need to say, you know, we need to protect him from Seattle because Seattle can just grab him unless they resign him. The mm-hmm. same, I mean, Giovanni Smith still has RFA status, but, you know, you can't tell me that Svechnikov is worse than Darren Helm, Franz Nielsen, or one of the other guys on the fourth line. You can't tell me that. And, you know, he's got the chance to potentially be a depth piece when Detroit's contending. We're not talking about a top six guy, but we're we're talking about a guy who could be a third liner or a middle six winger if you have an injury. Like, yeah. there's basically zero reason at this point for Detroit to not play Svechnikov. Worst he case scenario, you let him play and you trade him at the deadline. Congratulations. You, you basically inflated yeah. his stock. And even if we do resign him, he's not going to be demanding a huge contract. He's barely played. We sign him on for like a, a bridge deal and to see how he continues to develop. If we like to see, we keep him or we trade him when his talk's high. But but this is, like we said, puzzling. It's mind-boggling. It's crazy. I mean, at this point, why would he want to sign there? Exactly. Right? He's, un- he's, he's a UFA. Yeah. We don't control that. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, if he walked this season and said, nah, I'm signing elsewhere, I couldn't blame him. I mean, if I was put in this situation like he's been, I would walk. I would say, you can't tell me I was worse than players A, B, and C. I was going to be a cheap re-sign anyway, and you still don't want to play me. Why would I stick around here? I think that's a legit choice for him to make, and I wouldn't blame him in that choice. Nope, wouldn't be surprised at all. That said, I'm still amazed that he cleared waivers. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would have expected, hesitant. you know, somebody takes a chance on him. 
And that's the weird thing is like he passed through waivers. Like this was Detroit's chance to get him through that passing that they were basically kind of forced to do. They got to keep him in that sense. They should have just said, you know what? He passed through waivers. Nobody collected him at this point. The interest isn't there. We need to increase interest. Even if they plan to trade him, right. increase interest in him so that when you move him at the deadline, you're going to raise the stock. Yep. That makes sense. Um, the other piece of news I want to talk about, and I don't know if this is necessarily news, but just a couple weeks ago, we were we were ragging on Anthony Mantha pretty hard. Um, admittedly, I think a lot of it was deserved, but you know, he's actually seemed like he's really started playing against his potential this week. And even like the past two weeks, I mean, whether it's the goal that he got versus Carolina, his overall play of helping generate shots, it seems like he's skating a little bit harder. Like I've always been a fan of give credit where it's due criticism, where it's due credit Samantha. He's, yep. he's taken, you know, the criticisms this season that people have given him. And he's starting to look like that old self from last season. Is he as dominant? No, but he's looking like that player again, and that's good. Yep, that's what we like to see. I mean, yeah, we gave him a lot of flack, and it was deserved. Like, he looked lazy. He didn't chase things down. Um, but I think he's starting to have fit into his skates again. And, like, there was one of his goals where he, like, stole the puck and then just went by himself and powered it in but he needs to be doing. He is a power forward who has some skills with his hands. And um, I hope he continues to improve, whether it be he sticks around one of those core pieces, or as we talked about earlier, maybe he's, you know, trade, trade bait. We get something good out of him. Like we do with Tatar and Nyquist and guys like that. So we'll see, but yeah, props where they are due. He has improved immensely. Yeah, maybe you just need to get really in the feel for it because a lot of it was kind of two weeks into the season we were dogging on them. And, you know, I mean, these guys are people too. Yeah, they're professional athletes, but they still have the same minds as we do, like the same brains. And it, it sometimes it just takes a lot of a little kick in the ass to get going. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see, you know, one of your leaders kind of starting to be a leader again, working hard and battling for pucks and, you know, developing chances. So, yeah, it's good news for the Red Wings because, I mean, that was brutal to watch it earlier in the season because it, it seeing a star player like that just struggle consistently, yep. it, it was hard. Well, I think the big thing now to watch is does it stay? Does yeah. it maintain? Is this the mantha that we see the rest of the year? And then even to start, if he stays with you guys, start the next year because the, the thing that frustrated everyone in the beginning, if I remember correctly, is that he has this talent. He can oh, yeah. just bulldoze yep. through and sort of take over and throw things on his back, you know, when he wants to. Uh, and it's frustra- it was frustrating that he wasn't, you know, we're halfway through the season. Granted, it's a shortened season, but y- you can't wait till halfway in the season to turn it on, especially in a developing year where you're setting the tone for the people around you. I'm hyped. I'm hoping that this is the the kick that he needed and he's, you know, all in now, but it does make me wonder in a, in a month from now, will that consistency still be there? And I think, unfortunately, he has now set a tone that it's something that it's going to be in the back of people's minds, which Mantha are we going to get tonight? Mm-hmm. And like, that's the thing, you know, like when, when Mantha is skating hard, when he's competing for pucks, when he is playing a physical game, you know, he's pure cash just 
you don't want anything else because again, he, like you said, you know, he, he puts games on his back in the way that a lot of these big names in the league can, but again, it's which version are you getting? Are you going to get the guy who takes over games or are you going to get the guy who just parks on the power play and just doesn't move? It's, mm-hmm. that's a dangerous it's a reputation thing. to get. Yep. Um, that's pretty much it for the wings news. The pieces of Hawks news that we have are kind of limited this week as well, but the other, or the piece of Hawks news that I want to talk about is the, the Jeremy Colleton is currently third. I believe it is in Jack Adams voting for the season. Um, again, if anybody who's watching doesn't know what it is, the Jack Adams trophy is basically a trophy that's awarded to the coach who's voted the best coach in the league. Um, good on him, man. He's taken what looks like just a complete development roster and they're a playoff team by standing or by standings right now. It's, it's kind of been crazy to watch. No, absolutely. I mean, the last couple of years we've had teams that were good on paper and playoff caliber on paper that did not, did not rise to the occasion, did not achieve this year. We're looking at it going, okay, this is objectively the lowest caliber and quality roster we have had since the early 2000s. And all of a sudden they've thrived. I mean, it says a lot that you can't get through a single press conference with any of these players without hearing buy-in or culture or, you know, the room (laughs) that is all on Colleton getting, you know, these, the veteran players to buy in and this mass of kids he has got everyone on the same page that is not easy to do yeah i mean i i bit the bullet a couple weeks ago i I sent out a formal apology to jeremy colleton and yeah i've been kind of a big supporter of his ever since you know i was hard on him you know because what has he proven until this season and this season it's like okay everything's kind of adding up you know they took a little bit to get the culture going, but the kids have bought in. Like you said, Tim, the veterans have bought in and everybody just has a voice in that locker room. Now it seems even these young kids, they're, they're all involved. So, and especially with unexpected guys like Kurashev stepping up big, Pia Suter stepping up big, Brandon Hagel, our favorite guy on this podcast. I love it. Huge. Hagel's bagels. Our, our goalie situation, you know, we thought it was going to be terrible. And Kevin Lincoln and Malcolm Subban are looking like really that's our solid one, tandem. Yeah, that's our tandem right now. Yeah. And and who would have guessed? Who would have thought? I mean, props to Jeremy Collins. He deserves to be where he's at in Jack Adams' consideration. Uh, the two guys he's behind right now is Barry Trotz and Joel Quinville. Ever heard of them? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's crazy that he's really up there with two future Hall of Fame coaches. So perhaps Jeremy Carlton and where the Hawks are at this season. I, I think it's cool. It it feels like for the first time, the last couple of years, it's felt like, okay, these are the remnants of the Stanley Cup teams. These are the remnants of the dynasty. This is the leftover of the Joe Quinville era, uh, the Patrick Sharp, Marion Hosa era. And now this year, it, it feels new. It, it feel okay. This is Colleton's locker room. This is a new culture, a new mindset. Yep. That shift took time, and like from a change management standpoint, it's so hard to navigate uh, an organization through any sort of organizational change and have it done efficiently. To be done in a locker room, especially with a lot of guys that you know, you look at our core. 
they had Quinville for 10 years. They had a certain way that they did things for 10 years, whether they wanted to or not, you can't just change that. You know, and Colleton, God bless him. He rolls with the punches. He, he navigated those press conferences where people wanted his head. And he said, Hey, look, things are, things are changing. It is happening slowly communication and time. And we're like, no, no, we want, we want results. We want action. We want fire. And it's cool to see that change finally taking place, which is why I'm so excited about where are we going to be at next year? Because it no longer feels like we're grasping at straws to keep the window open. It now feels like we've got a new window opening. Mm-hmm. And like, that's something I think is kind of really important to th- like, you know, talk about is Chicago was in a window, I would say probably till 2016. Um, after that was when you guys missed. And that's really when the death started to deplete from your guys' roster. This whole new group that the Hawks are working with, it's a bunch of hungry kids who haven't wow. really tasted, you know, success yet. And I don't want to say that the veterans got complacent because I don't think they have, but winning doesn't feel as special when you've already won three times. And do you want to win again? Yeah, sure. But that first time that you go for the win, it is so much sweeter. I mean, me and David can attest to this. The wings were dead for forever. And when they finally won that cup in 97, oh my God, was it awesome. It was beautiful. I think going, going back to Tim's point, kind of about how the like the Stanley Cup team kind of depleted, and we still have Kane Keith C or no, oh shit. That's gonna take talk about I, changes. I did not mean that one. Um, but we needed to hit the reset button on uh, an era. And that's exactly what happened. You know, we, we spent too much time comparing Colleton to Quinville after it all started. And he's not Quinville. He's a new, he's a new mind. He's a new young hockey brain, a new, a new uh, philosophies and, you know, strategies. So yeah, we really just need to hit the time heals everything and <laughs> in life. And, you know, we're kind of getting over that phase. We, we are over that phase. And now we're kind of buying into this Hawks team, to this coaching staff, uh, still undecided on stand but uh, yeah <laughs> big jimmy weight fan still yeah yeah of course uh, but yeah i mean that's pretty much it for the wings for in the hawks news this week um there's a little bit that we're kind of going to touch on when we talk about just the league-wide news because there's some rumors and stuff speculating around no official news yet so i don't want to put it in with the official news that we cover on the show um we can move to the flashback and flash forward segments of the show um, for anybody who's watching and who hasn't uh, watched the show before. And this is part of the podcast. We talk about the week that was and the week that is for both the Chicago Blackhawks and the Detroit Red Wings. We started with the wings. Let's go ahead and start with them in this segment. So Detroit's last week. Was it a bad week in terms of the wins and losses? Yes. Was it a bad week in terms of play for the most part? No. Um, so they had a 4-3 loss versus the Tampa Bay in overtime. They yep. had a 6-4 win versus Tampa in regulation. Yep. And then they had a 2-1 loss versus Carolina in regulation. <laughs> the overtime loss versus Tampa, I thought they actually looked pretty decent that game. Structurally, they played pretty sound. They were moving pucks, getting pretty decent chances. Overtime was over in a blink. But aside from that, I thought they looked fine. 
the six four win, I thought the goaltending stole that show. Bernie was a beast. Yeah. And then the Carolina game, it was literally just Detroit could not complete chances, but they were generating them. That's the thing. Detroit didn't just lay over and die. They were trying all game. That's the story of Detroit, though, like lately, is we can get there, but we can't finish. And games were teams like even the scoreline, we talked about it. Where it was like a five or something game, if I recall, and it was like the line was ugly, but Detroit had so many chances they just couldn't capitalize, and that's the thing I can't capitalize for a good portion was utterly abysmal, and then it finally got better. Yeah, um, so, so, sorry, Dave, you're kind of gargly the last little bit. <laughs> Doing a little <laughs> robot, like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ah, dang. Um, God but yeah, no, what I was saying was... I'm, I'm sure it was great, though. <laughs> <laughs> Most eloquent you've been all year. Well, no, <laughs> what I'm saying was... The story of Detroit is yeah. that we just yeah. can't capitalize on those chances. Like, we we have games where it looks like it's an ugly scoreline, but we fought the entire game. It's just other teams could capitalize like a Carolina, and we just couldn't finish our chances. All mm-hmm. Swedish, no finish. Oh, I like but, that. I'm gonna steal that. That's good. Yeah, but that really six nice. four game, that Can't six four that. game, six different goal scorers. That was just beautiful. I get. I was very uh, But that's the thing. Like that. That was what was frustrating about this week. Detroit didn't get W's on the win column, but they played structurally sound for the most part. I mean, yes, Bernier absolutely bailed them out, but. Well, I mean, I that's know. where you're at as your rebuild, though. <clears throat> I mean, you've got the team, you've got the pieces in place that have the hustle and they've got the skill up to a certain point and they're just not there yet where you can get over the line. They're, they're close, but and you can have those win, those moral victories, those little victories we've been talking about all year. Uh, they're just, they're still not there where they can get over that hump on a consistent basis that's going to come with time and development. Yeah. Jordan, do we trade Bernier? Um, I think you do. I think, I think do. you have to, man. Like, I think he has do. been I so good. A team could see him as um, a great backup goalie for a playoff run where he would probably get starting time. They would just switch between the two because he's shown he is more than capable of just shutting everything down so i think we can get some good picks out of him putting put him behind a team like carolina i'm thinking colorado you put him behind grubauer and he's got a legitimate one b they're suddenly a very different team i mean like really any team that bernier goes to it's he makes them better yeah except iowa yeah i mean (laughs) There's... Sorry, let me rephrase that. Any playoff team that he goes go. to, he, he will make better. I mean, is he going to steal the spot from a guy like Andre Vasilevsky? No, but you know what? He's a very – like, if you put him behind Vasilevsky, your like your goalie tandem is probably top two in the league or top three in the league. Like, And in, in, in a year where any day someone could get put on COVID protocol still, valuable. you want to have another goalie in your system – that you can say, okay, we can start him and not be terrified. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the thing. 
like Bernier is literally, he's a competent starter on a very, very friendly deal. I think just about any playoff team would love to say, yeah, we'll pay $3 million for Jonathan Bernier and have a legit one B to our superstar goaltender. I think any team in the league would happily pay that price. I mean, he's putting up almost Vesna caliber numbers right now and he's making three mil. So I think just about any team would be like, yeah, we'll, we'll pick that up, please. Um, the uh, the Hawks. You guys had an interesting week. We mentioned, you know, this is gonna be, this is gonna be the humbling, humbling time for the Hawks. <laughs> it's something. Humble pie. Got that six-one loss against Dallas. Uh, I, I I'll be the first one to admit I, I came out pretty hard. You know, I've been, I'm on record for being pretty hard against Dallas. Uh, that said. I think that that loss was less on Dallas being good and more on us completely falling apart structure wise. Uh, It's been a heck of a week. And Nick, I know we talked about this a little bit. This, this week and this month in general are just such a test for the Hawks. I mean, even though we split the Dallas series, like we, we won the second game against Dallas. We might, we're tied right now you know, halfway through the second in the Florida game, we're facing real adversity in the face of quality teams now. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. March was always kind of like the dreaded month. You know, it's a battlefield. Basically you're going against the former two, four, the last two teams in the Stanley cup final last year, the Florida Panthers who have the most dynamic offensive firepower, maybe in the league. You got Carolina at the end of the month, Nashville. You never know what you get with Nashville. So, yeah, it's, I mean, even coming into March, it's going to be tough. And this past week kind of showed it, you know, even our four to two win on Thursday against Dallas, it was, mm-hmm. it wasn't pretty. Like no. we had, we, Kadoba just struggled, you know, we, we had four goals on eight shots and that was really it for Kadoba. And Dallas dominated the rest of the game, but you know, we scored on the chances that we were given and then Saturday night against Florida. Oh God. <laughs> I felt bad for Lincoln in that game. He kind of just got, he looked, they looked fine in the first period. And then it was just all downhill. Two, two of those goals in that game. I think we're on to Han. Yeah. I, he struggled I, that I, game. Which, which is rough. Like I like to a lot. He's a good shutdown guy, but that was a bad game. A lot of the goals, even in this past week that Lincoln and let in a lot of those goals were more on. There was somebody directly in front of him that, it was their job to block side note. We just scored. Uh, I think it was Kurashev. It's a two, one game right now. Yep. <laughs> Philip Kurashev with his seventh of the season. You'll love to see it folks. Uh, that said a lot of the goals that Lincoln has let in are because somebody missed their assignment or went to block a shot and didn't block it. Uh, and boy, that sucks for Lincoln. <laughs> uh, like, he doesn't have. Does he have a nickname yet for Chicago for the Hawks? I just call him Lank. I I don't think I haven't heard an official nickname. You know, in true hockey fashion, it's probably Lanky or like Lankers. Lanker. <laughs> you should just call him Paper because, like, what does he Shorzy. do? He blanks teams. Just call him Paper. Dang. Call him Shorzy. Uh, yeah. I don't think he really. <laughs> I don't think he really has a nickname yet. I know, I know some people on Twitter call him Lank the Tank or whatever. but uh, <laughs> Seabrook yeah. always gave a lot of the nicknames. Yeah, so yeah, maybe we're going to have to start doing that for the Hawks. Got yeah, the- you got to step in somewhere. But no, yeah, uh, 
kind of felt bad from that game. So tough week, you know, we're, I, it, we still go, could go two and two from our last previous uh, predictions, but I mean, it wasn't pretty. No, no. Uh, oh, I was just going to say like, there were again, little victories is this year. Hagel got his second goal <laughs> in that Florida game. And it was a beautiful back and forth between him and Kubalik to get that goal too. Those two have been a shining, you know, once they got that combination there, you've got Kubalik's shot and accuracy and Hagel's just relentless and board battles and getting the puck and knowing how to get rid of it and give it to people. They have a really nice chemistry that I don't think anyone was really expecting. Uh, mm-hmm. to, again, you've got Lincoln or not Lincoln and uh, Hagel, who's this overager that we signed. Let's put it with Kubalik, who is uh, the rookie goaling score leader, you know, whatever. Yeah, it works out. It's kind of like the, you know, one guy's just going to grit and grind and Kubalik's going to set up shop and some of my favorite lines. Picks yeah. up corner, hustle and flow. Yeah. It reminds me of having Shaw on a line with like Kane and Taze, where yep. it's just like, I don't know, make some space and mess stuff up and let's get crazy. He's going to score. Yeah, let's get weird. Let's get crazy. <laughs> but like, that's again, that's, you know, the thing about this season for you guys is there were no expectations going in. God. So management can say, let's try these two players together who probably don't fit together structurally speaking and just see what happens. I mean, well, that's the, what the Chicago love to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, always. even though you want to, you know, get awesome draft players, winning's funner than losing. But that's got a young core that this year. Got a young group of guys that will probably be your future. So, missing a draft or having these young guys get playoff experience—that's yeah. I think winning any day of the yeah. week. I was gonna say, you know, we've talked in the past about how getting these this draft capital getting these high picks isn't a guarantee that your team's going to be good from it. It just guarantees. Yup, exactly. Uh, Realistically. And also with this year being weird with scouting and with, you know, the draft in general, having a mid to late round first rounder isn't a bad idea or isn't a bad thing to have right now. You know, and I do think, Jordan, you brought up a great point about having no expectations. The best thing I think that could have happened to Colleton and this team was them coming right out and saying, we're rebuilding. You know, we've been rebuilding for a couple of years. We're not, you know, we're at a certain point where we see ourselves in the rebuild on the mountain. This is where we're at because Mm -hmm. I think it took some of those expectations off of Colleton, off of the team. And even in the players' minds where it's like, yeah, we sort of knew this is where it was at, but you know, we're still going to fight. We're still going to play, but there's a, there's a pressure off your back that they don't, you know, in the past it's like, okay, we're really not doing great. And I've got to shoulder this because people expect this. Mm-hmm. It, it allowed everyone to have a little more fun and relax while playing hockey. Yeah. It completely wiped the slate clean. And like, that's the thing. There's a phrase in hockey. It's, it's called, you know, he's gripping the stick, you know, you're trying too hard. This team doesn't have to do that. You know, again, no expectations meant that you could play a little bit looser. You could try things. Maybe you didn't really plan on trying at the start of the season. It's, I don't want to say you want to have no expectations every season because eventually you do need to have expectations, but. Or your Buffalo. 
<laughs> but, you know, to not have expectations and to have a year like this year where, you know, you're you're winning games that most people thought you were going to lose, it's been a blessing to your guys' franchise. I mean, you get players who are developing, you get players who are getting experience, and you're getting just chemistry with these guys who – you know, maybe they wouldn't have had the chance to build otherwise. I mean, the goalie tandem is a perfect, perfect example of this. You know, nobody knew who Kevin Lankinen was before this season, you know, but now he's a potential, you know, Calder runner. Like, no expectations can sometimes be a fantastic thing. Absolutely. Um. We can talk about uh, the stars of the week because we haven't done that segment yet. Um, <laughs> David, who is your star of the week for the Wings? I'm going to give it to Mantha. Okay. Um, I thought he's really <laughs> impressed. Um, I think something happened with the Blackhawks. Hagel, Brandon Hagel got his third. Hagel's bagels, bagel. Let's go. Guys, we, do, we pause for Brandon Hagel. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I could. <laughs> And it's he's just—he's in front of the net. Right. He picked up the—you know—he picked up the loose change. It's right where he needed to be. Get that man a cinnamon raisin. That's <laughs> my—that's my everything, Hagel. Oh my! Oh. I love it. I love a good everything, Hagel. <laughs> no, I no, back to you, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Anthony Mantha, um, you know, a couple goals has really impressed. Has shown that power forward grit that he has. Um, hopefully, he keeps it up. But I want to honor him. You know, with the improvement we've seen by giving him my star of the week. What about um, you, Jordan? It's cliche at this point, but I got to give it to Dylan Larkin, man. Oh, like, you guys make fun of me for picking. Yeah, I was going to say, game. listen, you, you deserved, right deserved, but also. <laughs> like, Are you kidding me? If you watch the game that Detroit played against the Carolina Hurricanes, though, like literally that entire team was spending the game trying to shut him down every shift. Like, <laughs> like, like seriously, go back and watch that game if you have like NHL TV or whatever and watch every shift that he is on the ice. There are like three Hurricanes on him at all times. It's insane. And the fact that he was still productive <laughs> given that situation. Nick, I'll I'll give you a free pass tonight if you want to use it. I'm not using it tonight. Okay. Okay. Jordan, good start of the week. No, uh, absolutely. Can, absolutely. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying. Oh man. Uh my star of the week for the Hawks. Sorry guys. I'll I'll gain control here. Uh Adam Boquist. I think it's the second time in the week for me. Uh he had two yep. assists against uh Dallas the night we won four to two on Thursday. So. He's looking good. He's looking confident. He's playing how we want him to play. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Adam Boquist again. I, oh, no, I think I might be going with the same person I went with last week. I got to go with Hagel. Uh, I, this kid just, he is the embodiment of the new era of Blackhawks hockey. He, he's got a little bit of Shaw in him. He's got a little bit of sod in him. Uh, he's moving around. He's got speed. He's got grit. He's got enough skill to get the puck in the net. And the goals are finally starting to come. I think he kept doing the right things and he didn't change his game up. He didn't get into his head. He, he said, he's like, you know, do I want to score? Yeah, of course. But I'm doing things that are influencing the game. And he kept doing it. And now he's up just this past week. He's went from one goal to three goals. So I got to be hyped for the kid. 
He's got a motor on him that is the envy of anybody really in the NHL. If Mantha had Hagel's motor, that guy's that guy's a 40 goal scorer every year. Connor McDavid. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh so yeah, Hagel. All right. So two young guys. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Not a veteran or anything. Um <laughs> Not the same guy over and over again. <laughs> hey, apparently I voted for Kane a couple weeks ago. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, we can talk about the week coming up for the Wings and the Hawks because yeah. there are a couple of games coming up this week as well. Um, again, we'll start with the Wings here because we've been starting with them all episode. The Wings are going to play against the Carolina Hurricanes once and they're going to play against the Dallas Stars uh, twice. So the Carolina game, I, I want to say Detroit bounces back. So, so, I mean, I feel like, you know, they could have almost had that game last night. Yeah, yeah, it was last night, right? But I feel, or no, it was two nights ago. Regardless, I feel like they could have had that Carolina game if they would have finished. And I feel like, you know, maybe they make some adjustments here and they close that game out and they finally take this one. Um, the other thing that they're going to have is they're going to have two games versus Dallas. I don't expect wins here. I expect losses. And I think that's just realistic. The Dallas stars are their playoff team. They're a competitive team right now, even with having guys out. I don't think Detroit's going to contain them. I don't think it's going to be close, but you know what? Again, it's a rebuild. If we even see a couple goals, these two games, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina, I think is a loss. That team is just so well-rounded. It's not even funny. Dallas, I think that we split the series. I think we, I think we steal a win. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but you know, we beat Tampa. We put six on Tampa last week, so I got that. I got that fire in me right now. Here we I go. Think we, I, th- I think we steal one from Dallas, at least one. Okay. Please do. That helps us. <laughs> it helps Tim really because Tim just freaking hates Dallas. I don't like Dallas at all. <laughs> Uh, And then the Hawks, you guys have uh, just two games versus Tampa coming up this week. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Is it going to be the grinder or what is it going to be? I I think the days of it being just an absolute bloodbath are over. Uh, I, I think that that's still, if we, here's the thing. If we let down our guard at all, if we're sloppy, if we can't connect passes, if our breakouts aren't clean, we're going to get destroyed. But if we're playing our game, if we're playing tight, I, I see no reason why we don't take one of those games against Tampa. We've shown that we can. It's just a matter of playing all three periods, which we seem to struggle with sometimes. But if we do that, we're taking one against Tampa. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, our last series against Tampa, overtime seemed to be the theme. I'm going to say it's both they're going to go to overtime. I think we take one in OT, and they take one in OT. We'll take three that. points in the series. Okay. Do, 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 do. It's time for the segment, the Hawks back meter. Nick, are the Hawks back, or <laughs> is it pain? After this past week, it's a little less than up the middle, but it, we got we got work in practice. It's a work in practice. We'll get there. It's yeah. like uh, back, all the way back. It's like semi-back. Okay. So it's like a halfback. Yeah, but that we call those running backs in football, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe like you could get one for Russell Wilson. Russell. I don't know. Oh god. All mm-hmm. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, not quite a quarterback, but not a quarterback. 
Um, unfortunately, Tim, or sorry, unfortunately, Nick has to go right now and, and leave the show. But we've got just a couple quick pieces of uh, news around the a league to actually talk it about. Um, the first being is that the NHL, uh, NHL draft for this upcoming you know offseason, it looks like it's going to be staying put. Yeah. At this point, you know, there was discussion about, hey, are we going to have back-to-back drafts next year where this whole draft gets put on, you know, the back burner because we didn't have ample scouting chances, players didn't have a chance to showcase, whatever the justification was. Mm-hmm. At this point, the league has said that the draft this year is staying put. And you know what? I have to I, I like the decision. I don't want this idea of there being two drafts next year, because at that point picks start getting weird eligibility for drafts starts getting weird. You're trying to plan for two drafts at once. And it just, it's a mess. And think about like trading draft picks, like it's that like, too. Oh, oh. Like it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it for that reason. But the other reason I'm fine with it for is these young kids are going to get yeah. a chance to play it. They're not losing a year. And that's what was our big argument for it last week when we talked about it. Like they're not losing a year. They're going to have that chance to showcase themselves. Um, and I don't think they waste it. So. No. Yeah. I, I hated the idea of asking these kids who this is the biggest impact of their future to wait another year. And now they're mm-hmm. competing, you know, yes, there's going to be two drafts, but realistically you'll have guys trading like, Oh, you can take picks from this one to go into this one. Now you're competing against two drafts in my mind, whether that's realistic or not. You're, I want to have these kids have the opportunity. We might as well go for it. I mean, there's going to be enough scouting and enough uh, on these kids to make effective and intelligent decisions. You know, we're going to be missing a little bit, but especially with the vaccine rollout, if, you know, we're going to return to a, I saw a responsible normal. Uh, I liked that. Yep. There's no reason by July that we can't have the draft and have things start getting back to normal. If we push back the draft another year, it, everything is still off. Yeah, so I'm, sure. I'm thrilled with the draft being this year. I think it's right at the right call for everybody. And like, and that's the thing, you know, everyone's like, you know, we got to scout these players more. We got to see them more. We have to make, you know, better informed decisions. Mm-hmm. If we're all being honest here outside of like the top, like nine or 10 picks, the majority of the draft is a crapshoot. Like, oh God, yeah. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsuk were sixth and seventh round picks, and they turned into franchise caliber players. Hall of like, Famers. Yeah, Hall of Fame guys. You know, who is it? Um, was it Druin was a third round pick? I think, I think so. I mean, uh, wasn't but, uh, Kucherov a late round pick yeah, in, but, with was. Tampa? Mm-hmm. Or like Evgeny Kuznetsov, he got picked in the middle of the first round and he turns into a true number one centerman. Like right. after those first couple picks, it is a crap shoot anyway. Well, like you can't know for sure what you have. Find a diamond and coal. And mm-hmm. I would also hate like if I'm the Red Wings and you're you're hoping for a top three pick this year to say, hey, you're going to get to make that pick a year from now, which extends a year of your rebuild. If you draft somebody in this current draft in July, that's like relatively ready to play You're you either have a year to develop them or they're ready to pop up. Yep. If you don't get that, that's a whole nother year of your rebuild that you have to put on hold essentially. 
And that's a year of your players that you already have wasting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you get somebody that hits and can hop right in and that's a game changer. Oh, beautiful like save not, by Lincoln. It's, <laughs> it's not just a year off of Owen powers or one of these kids contracts. It's a year off of Dylan Larkin. It's a year off of Tyler Bertuzzi. It's a year off of all of them. And you, people are Iserman is planning around this draft. Every GM in the league is planning around this draft with where's my team at mm-hmm. putting it back. A, I, I just think there's no redeeming value to putting it back a year. Good. I'm glad and then there's also managing development time for that matter as well. You know, like when you pick that kid from the draft and you sit down with them and say, Hey, our plans for your development are we're going to send you to this team or this league, or we're going to have you play with, you know, these players that year, that's legitimate time. You know, even, I mean, I'll, I'll take Detroit, for example, right? If Detroit would have had to have waited a year before they could have sent Moritz Sider to the AHL, that's a big difference. I mean, oh, he yeah. he learned and gained infinite amounts of confidence by playing in Grand Rapids. You're yep. setting that entire competitive window for him off by a year by delaying his draft. Was he good over playing in Germany? Yeah, he was good. He was, he was pretty good. Oh, yeah. But getting truly competitive reps against, you know, not NHL caliber guys, but guys who are not far off, mm-hmm. getting those kind of reps for a year, that matters. And now he's over in Sweden just straight up bullying people. <laughs> dying people. It's so good. I feel I'm like not every looking other forward to day. playing against him. I feel like every, like literally it's like every two or every three days, there's like a clip on Reddit of him just like completely smacking somebody or it's like, it's like that episode of um, South park where the South park kids hockey team played the Detroit Red Wings and they were <laughs> getting bodied. And that's what he's doing. The, the, the players he's playing against are these little, you know, Kenny's and Clyde's and all them. And he's just picking them up and throwing them. It's, it's a massacre. Did you I see the it. one of like the kid who tried to check him and like he like the kid literally bounced off him? <laughs> like, you know how awesome that's got to feel as a person when somebody goes to hit you and they hit the ground? And how demoralizing it is when you're the one that's like, I'm going to make a run. I'm going to take down more at Cider than you're the one that's on your back. I'm not going to compare him to Cronwall or Lidstrom because they are Cronwell. two just completely different people. But imagine if he embodied like a combination of the two of them. You pair that with Ronick, who's already like really building on that offensive upside while still maintaining his defensive responsibilities. You've got your pairing. That, that yeah, that's you your go. top pairing, easy. Mm-hmm. Like if if Moritz Sider literally pans out to even like seventy five percent of how dominant he is yeah. in the Swedish Elite League, he's a top pair defenseman. <laughs> like. Yep. Uh, but no, anyway, yeah, the draft staying put, I like it. I think it's just, it's a good decision by everybody and it's a good decision for everybody. Yep. Would these GMs like to make more informed decisions? Sure, absolutely they would. But the fact is, sometimes you got to work with what you got. And you know what? It's not really fair to these kids to delay their futures because you want to make a decision. And honestly, they're general managers of NHL teams. They should be able to like do their job. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I need more time. Yes, it'd be great to have more time. But you're skilled enough to identify talent. That's why you're in the job that you're in. 
mm-hmm. like where I would just be like, um, there's, okay. There's going to be a lot more drafting this year on potential than mm-hmm. there is on readiness and pre-developed skill sets. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I think. Yep, for sure. And that's the thing. And like, that's fine. You know, the, I think there are going to be some teams who pick up some very high caliber players this, you know, this draft. Oh yeah. And those kids, you know, had this not all happened, that may have been completely different for them or those clubs. And you know what? You pick up a potential guy and it doesn't pan out. I mean, yeah, it sucks for it's you and your story club, of draft picks. <laughs> that's it. That's a story of draft picks. Like some always kids don't pan out. It's we took always a chance. Graham not as a second round pick and that did not work out at all. There's plenty of first round picks in history, like high first round picks that have never panned out. So Yakupov. Uh Jesse Pulyarv, I mean he's okay, but he hasn't been you know, amazing. Oh wait, that's football. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell. Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Ooh. Don't let don't uh, don't let Nick hear me say that. <laughs> uh, he won't listen to this part, he's not in it. <laughs> no. Uh, we can move on to the last piece of news, though, that we have for the league. And this is all still technically rumors sake because we haven't got official confirmation. But it seems like the idea of Jack Eichel getting traded from Buffalo is picking up a lot more steam around the league. Eichel Watch is back. Like, I want your guys' honest opinions. What do you think a team would have to give up to get oh. Jack Eichel? And- Are you kidding? Everything. Everything. <laughs> First round picks, young, talented prospects. That's why I think a team that's ready to, they're on that cusp of winning, they go all in. So I could see a Colorado doing it. I could see. Um, I would. I wouldn't mind Minnesota doing it. I think they could actually be a team that could do it. I here's the thing. I was looking at defensive like war metrics for Minnesota's defense. They've got some of the best war metrics in the league. And then you've got uh, Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello on the first line. Uh, Victor Rask is, I think, serving as their 1C right now, which is nothing against Rask, but he's not really a 1C. You've got a phenomenal defense, decent offense, and their goaltending has been above average you get a legitimate one C in there in Eichel. That's a, t- that is finally, that could be a turning point for a team like Minnesota that has been mired in mediocrity for so long that could jumpstart their jumpstart them and get them over that hump. Possible. And like the thing with Minnesota is that, you know, they're not a team that is super cap strapped and they're not a team that has been spending a ton of assets in the past couple of years to acquire players. They've, they haven't made any big splashes in free agency. They haven't, you know, really gone out and said, this is our year. We're going for it. Mm -hmm. They've just sort of been standing pat, letting the chips fall where they may. And it's like you said, maybe this move right here of picking up a player like Jack Eichel and saying, you know, Looking at the group that we have, this is the piece that we're missing. This is the piece that we need. A true number one centerman who can really help us move the center depth chart down a little bit and just get us deep. Yep. And- yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe you give them two first-round picks, Victor Rask, and a prospect. Uh, or you- Something like that. I mean, that's probably even still too low. You'd have to uh, give up a lot for Jack Eagle. Right. Right. 
but I mean, they've got Dylan Cousins who can be their first center for the, you know, at least or jump into developing into that. They, it's so bad that I just feel whatever they go Buffalo's way is going to be wasted. So what does it matter? They're, Look at all these first round picks we're going to waste. Yeah. yeah great. It, it's almost the perfect thing of, okay, I'm going to lose my first round pitch pick, which sucks, but I'm going to give it to Buffalo. So it's like, nobody gets a first round pick. Perfect. Yeah. It's a neutralizer pick. Yeah. I, I, their development makes me so sad. Yep. So I'm secretly in on Minnesota now. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I have a friend who's a Minnesota fan. I think he'd love that too. One thing I've got to ask though, like it's, it's obvious that Jack Eichel is not happy with the way that things are going oh, in Buffalo. He is, he has been outright public about it, that he's not happy with even, the way things are going. Even Dylan Larkin would say something and that's Dylan Larkin. Right. Like, I want to say Jack Eichel commands a lot because he's a great player, but what, what leverage does Buffalo have? Like it's public information now that he's not happy with the way that the team's doing. He's signed to $9 million. So the number of teams that can pick him up, it's kind of limited because you know, a team that's cap strapped can't take him. Like you, you make it work for, you make it work for a franchise one C uh, there's a lot that you can sacrifice to get that. And I think that the big leverage that they have is they don't have to trade them. Mm-hmm. And Buffalo is so bad that even if Jack Eichel pulls, you know, the nuclear option and sits out, it's not like it's going to hurt Buffalo more than they already are. I mean, that's their leverage is, Hey, we've got this phenomenal one C who, you know, what he can do. We're either gonna, you know, trade him or we're going to keep him and he plays or we keep him and he doesn't. So the only other issue with it right now is he's injured for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's true. So that could be put on hold, but we'll see. I don't know. I just, I think it's interesting, you know, big blockbuster moves like this do not happen often in the NHL, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, number one defenseman or true like elite top line centers. And the fact that someone Tavares like Jack would be the Tavares. last. And then Subban versus the Subban swap with um, <laughs> Shea Weber. Weber. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was it? Uh, they said there are no plans to trade uh, PK Subban. And then he got traded for Shea Weber. And then just recently, you know, they're like, we have no plans to trade Jack Eichel. And I talk to him every day. Uh, Boy, I've heard that before. But I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know who, like, who's going to trade for Jack Eichel. I mean, just about any team in the league would be thrilled to have him. But his cap, it makes it so hard for a team to accumulate him. And then on top of that, you're giving up assets. What trades Feshnikov for him? Just one for one. Yeah, one for one. It it would be tough because of the border issue. But Calgary? You trade Johnny Gaudreau in a package of something for Jack Eichel? It's possible. I mean, it could happen. You but... have Eichel playing with uh Matthew Matthew DeChuck and uh sure? like Detroit has caps cap space. We have we have space. Yeah, yeah but then Larkin's your two C. Which would be a phenomenal situation, but I'll take that center depth. <laughs> take that. Larkin's like, you know what? 
fine with me. You, you would win. have to talk ahead of time. You'd have to prepare ahead of time that like you're still going to be the captain because now be, you've got two captains. Let's be on. honest. We our starting lineup is always crazy different. Like Larkin's been not the starting C sometimes. Like okay, that's fair. But the thing is, like Jeff Blashell does that though. Like he tries to type match all the time. Like. It's like you said, every single game, it feels like the starting lineup is different. And... It's completely different. I guess they made it work in Toronto with Tavares and Matthews, uh, where both of them is a 1C and both of them is a, you know, is a captain, theoretically. Uh, I don't know. Uh, here's the question. Larkin might be comfortable with it. Is Eichel comfortable with I, I I don't know I, I I don't I don't know where Buffalo has squandered so much that I don't know what to think of Jack Eichel and I'm a huge fan of him. Yeah, like if I may, our starting lineup against uh, Carolina the last game it was Zadina, Nemestikov, Gagne, Neral, Stahl, Bernier. So just completely completely weird. <laughs> um, you know. Tim, you mentioned would Jack Eichel even want to play in Detroit, for example. Got to be better than Buffalo, I guess. I think the difference would be for Jack Eichel is that is Jack Eichel walking into a better situation in this moment? No, he's not. But we talked about this last week. Much in the way that Buffalo does not seem to have a plan, Detroit completely has one. Yep. Mm-hmm. They have pieces coming through the pipeline. They have guys who are on these, you know, we picked them up for, you know, just like a season or two. And then the plan is to trade them and let them go elsewhere and continue to acquire draft capital. Detroit's got the wheels moving, whereas Buffalo does not. And I think that matters. Yep. Gosh, now I just want to buy NHL and trade for Jack Eichel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think that's pretty much it, though, for our show. I can't think of anything else to talk about um, nope. league-wise for news. Is, is it like a topic? So I think we'll go ahead and just call that a show. Um, if anybody who's still watching or listening or just you know interacting with the show at some point, we appreciate you guys for tuning in and watching the show. Unfortunately, Nick had to dip a little bit early, but life happens. So that being said, it happened. Um, Again, thank you guys for tuning in, listening to the show, watching the show. At the end of the day, this is a podcast that's by fans and for fans. It's for you guys all to enjoy. It's for you guys all to interact with. So if you want to interact with the show, send us questions, comments, uh, feedback for the show, um, funny insults. We've had a couple of those before. Um, feel free to send them to us. We're on a variety of social media platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We are on Twitter. You can get in contact with us via SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. I mean, just whatever your social media platform is of, of choice, we're basically on there. However you want to get your podcast fixed, we're basically on there. So however you want to get in touch with a podcast feel free to do it we'd love to interact with you guys every once in a while when we do get fan mail it's a great time and we have some fun with it just send us a nice handwritten letter you know (laughs) put a wax seal on it just do it just do it our PO box (laughs) uh just like one of those like really old ones with like the like what was it they're like always like the The letters or whatever on them we have a wax seal with a b for barnhouse i feel like if you have one of those that's like a quote-unquote made it item we got it in williamsburg I was like, oh, sweet. Let's just get this. And she's like, okay, whatever. (laughs) 
but in all seriousness, I feel like that's going to be it for our show. Um, as always, for your host, Jordan Liscott, and for my co-host, Tim Stampanato, David Barnhouse, and for the co-host who left, Nick LePage, this has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. You guys take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Keep yourself safe in this crazy time that we're still living in. Hopefully things go back to somewhat normal soon and we can finally start going to games again. I mean, the NHL is doing this thing where some fans are allowed in some stands. They're not in others. So hopefully just things start opening up. We get some normalcy back to everything in life. In the meantime, enjoy hockey. Let's go Hawks and let's go Wings. Go Wings. Go hockey.